Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Mark Johnson, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Well, thank you, Chad. It's great to be here. So we're talking about uh, your latest book, Lead from the Future, How to Turn Visionary Thinking into Breakthrough Growth. And I love how you set this up. You talk about those visionary leaders of our past and of our present. And and I get, you know, really at, at, at the core, you're trying to find a way to kind of harness how they did what they do. Why was it so important for you to write this book? Well, I think uh, two reasons, Chad. One is just as you said, is to harness their thinking that uh, this isn't just for those uh, admired leaders that seem like one in a million, that actually this is consummately practical. And um, how can we lay out some of the things that we've learned over the years to help folks become aware that it is indeed practical and it's practical both in terms of how to think and also how to do. And that's sort of what the book was trying to accomplish was to make this uh, consummately accessible uh, to business managers, to even people outside of uh, of business to be able to plan in their institutions in a way that would um, that they would be putting the practice of visionary thinking and and uh, process to use. So that was one reason. Uh, the other reason, quite frankly, was when I started Innisight with uh, Harvard Business School professor Clayton Christensen of Innovators Dilemma fame. You know, we started it with how to manage innovation, how to address disruptive innovation and make it an opportunity and overcome the threats. And what we found was in the nature of that breakthrough innovation, that not having a long enough, uh, a long-term planning horizon, being able to think and, um, and believe in the future prohibited the ability to implement and sustain efforts as it related to to these breakthrough innovation efforts, which take longer than the typical two or three years uh, for many other kinds of uh, more near-term innovation efforts. So it got us into the realm of thinking about <clears throat> vision and strategy as a means by which to be successful in achieving uh, and implementing disruptive innovation. Yeah, you, you talk about it. It's a big risk because, you know, and we're not just talking about business owners here. It's people that are in business units, uh, leaders in organizations, uh, in functional areas, things like that. Um, you, you share that. I mean, your belief is if, if all we do is look at the future, I'm sorry, all we do is look at the present and then let the future happen to us, that that is not sustainable. Uh, that's correct. And I mean, it's a, it's a little bit counterintuitive in this environment as as the world moves faster, as information, knowledge and information moves faster and people 
uh, or be, be able to be affected by technological change and business model change, and that happens at a faster rate, the world in the next you know year and two years actually becomes noisier, and uh, you know the tendency is to hunker down even more and say we've got to deal with the here and now. But you have to actually clear your mind out of that noise and look further out to anticipate where things actually could go and be calm and reasoned about planning as much for what that future is going to be as much as what's happening in the noisy next to one to three years. Um, because absent doing that, you end up just constantly, you know, sort of chasing yourself round and round on all of these sort of issues of the day and not having the wisdom to think about how things could ultimately flesh out. And um, so we want our folks, you know, that we have as clients and actually more broadly than that, to be able to harness the ability to plan for the short term and the long term. So we're going to dig into the book. We're going to talk about the application. We're going to talk about how we can make this sustainable, repeatable, replicatable. Um, but the principle of thinking from the future back, how, how do you sum that up? I would sum it up as, uh, in a simple terms, being able to get good at starting from a clean sheet. And that sounds really easy. <laughs> Throw all the old stuff in. But it's amazing that established institutions and existing paradigms and orthodoxies just cause us to tend to start from what we have as a base of understanding or a base of a business model or a way of doing things, sets of routines and norms. And what we're asking with starting from the future back is the ability to look into the future and to ask the question, what could be, as opposed to what is, um, to be able to think um, in a way of which we can be more imaginative and creative based on understanding how things are shaking out in the future to define how we place ourselves in that future and do it in such a way that we don't presume the way things work today is necessarily the way things have to be leveraged off of to properly form how things should be in the future. An example that I put in the book, just I think to visualize this, is when the first uh, locomotive uh, was developed or was invented in the 1820s, uh, you know, that kind of technology led to passenger trains and the first passenger train car that, that, uh, that the inventors came up with looked very much like a traditional stagecoach that would go behind a, you know, a set of horses. Um, you know, and it actually looked kind of funny because it wasn't actually very practical. And as we know, it's not exactly what ended up being the way passenger cars looked like that went behind trained locomotives. Um, so the ability to get beyond our stagecoach way of thinking um, and be able to envision maybe there is actually a whole new clean sheet, new system approach to being able to be successful in the future is the kind of thinking that starts this process. So let's kind of dig into the application of it. So we've all, you know, we've all looked into and we've all been a part of and we've all rolled up our sleeves on kind of creating a vision, kind of, kind of talked about, um, you know, 
creating, you know, making that, uh, moving that to strategy. How do you do your mission, vision, value, strategy? How do you do that in a way that is future focused, um, that isn't just about the here and now and serving your clients and your customers? How do you look ahead and build this in a way that is, is going to kind of uh, future proof yourself? Sure. Well, I think first how you do it is um, being comfortable with being uncomfortable, meaning setting a time horizon that by definition is going to be less than comfortable just based on the level of ambiguity. And we usually prescribe for most uh, of our business uh, clients that looking out in the five to 10 year horizon is the area that typically most businesses put very little time in because they say, you know, the future at that point is a fool's errand. Nobody can predict it. It's, it's too abstract. And we would argue that actually, um, by putting yourself in that future and being able to look at trends, um, and scenarios in the right way, according to what really our future customers going to be trying to get done that you can actually, understand a lot more than you think. Um, and it's a process of being able to put that forward. The other aspect about going out five to 10 years is you want to be at a place where you can, um, understand, uh, begin to start to see early cracks in the way the industry might be changing, if you will. Like we're trying to look for, we call them early fault lines, um, early, you know, looking at, potential points of inflection. And if you don't look far enough out in the five to 10 years, typically these are the areas you run the risk of not being able to identify these points of inflection. So that's the first order is just simply getting out to this, this area of five to 10 years. The second part, as I mentioned, is being able to look into that future. And yes, like in classic strategy making, you know, look for various trends, technological, socioeconomic, demographic, so forth, and and apply them. But we say apply them in the context of what you can anticipate customers are going to need, uh, what they're going to be trying to get done in their life, and use the, the trends to be able to help define what's going to be really important to them, what they're going to prioritize. Once you've formed up that future environment and that perspective about where the customer and markets are going, the next important step is to be able to put yourself in that future as a company, as an enterprise, and not just from a classic half-day vision statement, you know, off-site, but actually develop the full perspective of what the enterprise in terms of the nature of, of businesses and business models could and should look like to be able to address that future environment. So I'll stop there just to yeah. let you ask the follow-up question. But that that's the basic idea of how you start being able to envision in this future back way. I appreciate that. And, and let's kind of, I touched on this a little bit er, uh, earlier. So let's say I'm, I'm a, a leader on the front lines. You know, I'm not necessarily going to be a part of the, of the, the team that, that develops this vision and develops this strategy. What can I do in my day-to-day? What can I do to... Um, uh, help focus on the future and, and lead forward? Sure. Well, I think by being on the front lines, you, you know, depending on what you mean on the front lines, you know, one is you could be on the front lines of sales, you could be in the front lines of your market. So you're seeing customer behavior, you're seeing um, changes happening, like such as maybe 
a customer is no longer finding all the features and functions of your product valuable, or maybe the front lines means, you know, in terms of the nature of uh, manufacturing and, you know, technologies that seem to be coming in, you know, digital types of technologies that can affect manufacturing process and in other ways. And those things can be helpful to uh, supporting this idea of, of being able to see early fault lines or, or the na- signals that suggest these faint signals that suggest things in the future may not work the way they work today. So that's one way that I think folks on the front line can be very helpful you know, in the development of that, that point of view about the future and how you fit in it, this, this idea, this notion of a vision in its fullness. The other way they can be helpful is once a vision is formed and then walked back to the present in terms of what you're going to do about implementing that vision, what we can talk about in terms of strategy making, they are, they have an important um, part to help um, validate that vision, you know, as time goes on, because the the idea is that the the vision that gets developed is never one and done. It's something that is evergreen and that continues to get visited and revisited to be able to shape as more knowledge and more insights come for the way, you know, these markets unfold over time. Let's talk about uh, your term future back thinking. What is that? What do you mean by that? So, you know, one, as I mentioned, is to be able to uh, take a clean sheet systems level approach and be unimpeded for the moment in the way that things work today. The, the way that the paradigm, the way that rules and norms govern the way the organization is working today, it's to have the ability to put that for aside in the moment and again to to be able to ask the question, what could be independent of regardless of how things have worked today? The other part of future back thinking is exactly as it sounds, which is, but it, it's, it's not done anywhere near the way, the amount of time it should be done, which is to put yourself in the future and imagine what that could be and then walk back that future in stages to then what it would be in terms of the initiatives that you would start today. So one is future back is about being able to think in this clean sheet, uh, independent way of the way things work today. The other is the ability to take that future and walk it back right to left in stages, in increments, back to the way things ought to be started for the next couple of years as the best way to achieve that intended, envisioned future. We're talking with Mark Johnson, co-author of the book, Lead from the Future. And so, Mark, how do you develop this skill set? You talk about that that future back thinking and, and, and working yourself from right to left. How do you get good at understanding and, and kind of uh, seeing what, what is to come? Uh, do you miss more often than you hit, or, or is this something that you, a skill you can develop? Well, I think it's a, it's a skill that you can develop. Uh, I would say some are more uh, prone to uh, appreciate this skill and, and, you know, just have natural abilities in this skill. You know, it's a little bit similar to 
some people are very operationally oriented, very delivery oriented, and, and some people are more discovery and creative and entrepreneurial oriented. And I think that in essence applies here that um, future back thinking tends to be more about uh, having an ability to deal with high levels of ambigu uh, ambiguity and abstraction, uh, to be more guided towards wanting to discover the unknown and therefore more entrepreneurial present forward thinking, which is, by the way, very important in the majority of an organization's effort. Um, you know, that that tends to be more about driving and incrementing off of today. And it's more delivery oriented, more manager managerially oriented. Um, and both are necessary. Uh, so one is I think you have to say that there are some people that are just never going to be good at future back thinking for those that have this aptitude in, you know, to start in this interest to start, I think part of it is just simply being able to carve out the time to be able to, uh, not be encumbered by all the sort of here and now efforts. It gives you the think time to be able to explore and to envision and discover. So one, I think, is to set the time aside to be able to do that both individually and as leadership teams to be able to think about this envisioned future. The other is to understand that the process, as I mentioned, is a process of, of being able to explore and then envision and then discover what you need to learn about what you've envisioned versus a process that tends to be more about execute and operate. Um, and so I think by being explicit about what we're talking about in the nature of the process of future back, while also having the right aptitude or the, you know, at least the initial aptitude on that, and then carving out the space and the time for this explore, envision, discover process that organizations and individuals within that organization can get better at doing it. What drew you to this? Why is this such a, a fun topic for you to, to dive into? Have you always been future-focused? Do you feel like this is just a, a gap that needs to be filled and, and someone needed to get this research out there? Is there something else? I think there's uh, two reasons, Chad. One is, as I mentioned earlier, uh, our efforts to help companies come up with breakthrough innovation, you know, sort of outside the sort of the here and now innovation, the sustaining innovations, how to get to disruptive innovation, how to get to new and different, you know, sort of beyond the core innovations. Um, you know, it was over the course of all these years, you know, in the early days, so often there was a frustration that these efforts weren't given the kind of resources they needed to succeed. Um, they weren't given the patience they needed to succeed. And we realized that, unless we started to think in this kind of more strategic visionary way or help clients to start with that with leadership teams and to open up their horizon to a longer term horizon that they weren't ever going to be able to properly get behind these breakthrough innovation efforts um, in the in the time it takes to see them through through fruition that you needed to kind of have this longer term vision and strategy behind it. That was one that that's drawn me, you know, to this this kind of work. The other, quite frankly, is I look around society and it's just not corporations. I mean, we can all talk about things that, you know, that the US government does that our healthcare system, even 
the U.S. military, you know, and I'm um, former military, so I've kind of seen it myself, that they tend to, you know, end up oftentimes burning the furniture to heat the house, right? Mm, that there's yeah. a lot of short-term decisions that are made that have long-term consequences. And it's that absence of formally thinking in the long term that I think is quite um, counterproductive to the longevity of the organization. Quite frankly, it there's what I feel a lack of a lot of leadership teams of not being good stewards of the business, uh, of the organization, trying to create success under their watch, but not really planning for the long-term success of the organization you know, once they're even have left and retired. And that to me has been really um, frustrating, but also inspiring to try to get institutions of all kinds to be able to embrace something that's takes away the mystique of the long term and actually put some practicality to it. Because I just think across the board, uh, we have too many institutions that are way too short sighted um, associated leadership teams, uh, you know, following suit that way. And you, you give us a lot of great ideas in this book, but ultimately, I mean, it, it is going to be a, it is going to have to be a mindset shift, isn't it? Because, um, you know, the, the, the market's not going to change in terms of, of the need for quarterly projections and growth goals and things like that. So, so how do you get people to step away from the here and now that drives the, 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 the let's just call it the stock price. There's so many other pieces that go into that, but how do you get people to move away from that and, and look at the greater good and, and, and what's really necessary to thrive and grow into the future? Well, I think one is, uh, and you kind of mentioned it, Chad, which is, uh, you know, this is a different way of thinking. And it's an appreciation that with this different way of thinking and and an effort to really form up a long-term vision, you know, beyond the, you know, the classic vision statement, that you can actually, uh, as we always have heard in leadership, inspire not just the people that work for your organization and your and your customers and your clients, but but other stakeholders that you can influence Wall Street. Um, and in fact, there was a great um, experience I had years ago, about 10 years ago, at what we, Inisite, the company, the consulting company that I lead, um, where we had uh, CEOs from various corporations and they said, you know, we're very limited in what we can do because Wall Street will punish us. We need to stick to our knitting. Um, and one of the the folks who was uh, actually at our event was a Wall Street analyst. And he said, you know, if you don't give us a narrative about the future, if you just really focus on the here and now, of course, we're going to tell you to stick to your knitting. But if you gave us a story, a narrative about why the organization needs to long term make a pivot or transform in ways that go beyond the core, then we'll listen and we'll appreciate uh the importance that you're giving us for why you have to do things uh, in the future in ways that aren't going to be the same today. And so I think narrative is a key word here. Um, how do you create the narrative that inspires a whole host of different constituents to allow you to get past all the pressures of quarterly earnings and and other pressures that such as short-term incentives that perhaps are associated with those earnings so that leaders are able to get past all of those um, 
those pulls toward the present. As you said, we, we call it the Calvary's not coming. You're right. I don't think anything's going to change anytime soon about the pressures of the short term. But, but that narrative, that story about the future can be very powerful to overcome all of those uh, pressures. So if you could just think of, of kind of one takeaway, one thing that, uh, that you want our listeners to, to take away from this conversation today, what do you think that would be? I think the one takeaway would be that planning for the five to 10 year horizon is eminently doable and eminently practical. And if you can develop that narrative through a process that you can create that point of view through a future back mindset, you know, that allows you to spend time in the future, then you can unleash a lot of, uh, excitement and passion and opportunity in your organization that right now in so many organizations is sitting dormant because for one reason or the other, they lack the time commitment or the effort to allow this future horizon to be, to come alive. Some great insights, Mark. Thank you so much. If people want to to dig a little bit more into you, into your research, uh, where would you send them? I, uh, two places. One is, uh, I have my own LinkedIn page. Uh, you know, my LinkedIn, I'm, I'm well, uh, followed on LinkedIn. So Mark W. Johnson. And, uh, of course, as I said, it's connected to Innisight. And the other one would be our company website, Innisight.com. Uh, I N N O S I G H T.com. Both of those places, I think, uh, will give you uh, ample opportunity to find out more. Fantastic. Mark Johnson, thank you so much for being a part of uh, today's Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Thank you, Chad. And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. Chad, I really enjoyed your interview uh, with Mark Johnson about his new book, uh, Lead from the Future. And it's interesting, years ago, I wrote a book with Terry Waghorn from Europe entitled Mission Possible, Creating a World-Class Organization while there's still time. And in that book, we argued that great organizations have to manage the present and create the future at the same time. And one of the thoughts we had, though, was that it was silly to send people who were had present time operational positions off uh, on a seminar to try to think about the future, because we thought they would kind of kill the future, either because they're overwhelmed with the present or they invest an interest in it, and that maybe you ought to have a president for the present and a president for the future. And the future group would come back together with the present people, say with the board of directors and and give their findings. And then the decision would be make, how do we take what we're finding about the future and make it happen right now? And so uh, I think that's what uh, 
Mark Johnson's really talking about it. And I, th I think it's so important because if you just get focused on now, the future could kill you. But if you're just thinking about the future uh, and not paying attention to what's going on right now, you get in trouble too. So I think it's a two-sided uh, thing. And so good on you, Mark Johnson. I think you're on to something about leading from the future. And uh, Chad, you're all right too. So go for it. Manage the present and create the future, but do it together. God bless. Thank you.